I wonder what you're longing for at the beginning of 2023. I'm sure it wouldn't take long to uh, put together, compile a list of hopes for the new year. And if we apply that same question to the church, again, we could soon trot out a host of worthy aspirations for us as a church community. And it's tempting then, once we have those, to start making plans as well, to consider the route to helping us to get to where we want to be, to achieve our dreams. And that's all well and good. I don't know about you, but I love to plan. I like to have a strategy in place, something to help me to get to where I want to be. And as a leader, I think that's a good thing. It's probably why I'm well suited to Methodism. The people called Methodists were so named because they were methodical. The Wesley brothers liked good order and discipline. And of course, all that can be very, very good. But one thing that the pandemic has taught us is not to put our trust in methods alone, because the best of plans can actually fail us, and good order can easily be turned into chaos. I'm sure you know the well overused old uh, quote from Woody Allen that was based on an old Jewish proverb, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <clears throat> I don't think God delights when don't think, things don't go well for us. But being outside of time, you can imagine from our maker's perspective, it must be humorous sometimes when we make all these detailed plans when they may not come to anything. We think we've got everything sorted and then we become brokenhearted when our world collapses. I'm sure God is brokenhearted too in those circumstances. Francis and I uh, spent some time with our neighbours uh, just after Christmas, and before lockdown, they were planning a wedding for the family uh, overseas, and uh, it involved travelling uh, abroad. It sounded absolutely idyllic. It was one of those weddings you think, wow. But no one's risk assessment or insurance factored in a global pandemic. Our neighbours also went on to tell us how one of them, out of the blue, nearly died just before Christmas. And it was nothing to do with COVID-19, but another health emergency. Our friend only survived because the, the paramedic got there in six minutes, and when he arrived afterwards, he said, if I had been eight minutes, you wouldn't have been here. He considers himself to be a very lucky man. And we reflected then as we were talking together how it does put things in perspective. And I'm sure all of us this morning, as we come into a new year, want to put things into perspective. Our motto at MCHW for 2023 is Proverbs 19 verse 21. I think we've got it on the screen. Many are the plans in the human heart, but the purposes of the Lord will prevail. When we think about our hopes and dreams for this year, we shouldn't get ahead of steam too quickly. Could it be that our desire ought to be that all our purposes 
may agree with God's holy will. Remember those words from uh, Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And it goes on to end with a call to seek the Lord and find him. When we seek the Lord with all our heart, and the secret is discerning what the divine will is for us, and then living in it as individuals and as a church. I love this little quote that I uh, stumbled across. It's from David Brooks, who is a columnist for the New York Times, and he wrote these words, human beings are defined by what we desire and not what we know. Let me say that again. Human beings are defined by what we desire and not by what we know. Christians, especially Methodists, should be primarily known and respected for our desire to love God with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, to be holy and obedient, rather than just our organizational ability, our well-intended busyness, our strategic planning, and our creative thinking. As I say, those things are good, but if we miss what it is God wants for us, then it will all come to nothing. St. Anselm of Canterbury wrote these words, no one will have any other desire in heaven other than what God wills. And the desire of one will be the desire of all. And the desire of all and of each one will also be the desire of God. Now, we're not in heaven, but how can there be just a little bit more heaven on earth Maybe it has something to do with our desires. In this covenant service, the church joyfully celebrates uh, God's gracious offer to Israel. I will be their God and they will be my people. And that offer from God of a loving relationship is an offer of a relationship of intimacy with our Creator. It's something, it's mind-blowing, but it's actually beautiful that the God who made the world longs for you and for me to be in an intimate relationship with him. And from our reading from Jerusalem, it was clear that the entire believing community was invited to enter into this covenant without reference to social or economic gender or age differences. The whole community was invited, even those who were not there at the time. And today, Christians will know that this was extended beyond Israel to everyone, Jews and Gentiles, through Jesus Christ. And Jesus shows us how to live in that intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. So today, as we begin to make our covenant, we sit or stand in the presence of the Lord who longs us to be in a relationship with him. We have the opportunity to make or renew our covenant with him. And for John Wesley, this covenant was fundamental to his understanding of what Christian discipleship was actually all about. For John, the covenantal relationship 
was like a marriage relationship between human beings on the one side and God on the other side. That sort of oath to one another. And yes, it's intensely personal, but also, as it says in Deuteronomy, it's a corporate thing that we do together in community. We all enter into it, and God longs for us all to enter into it, and not just those here, but everyone. The invitation is to all. What's more, that covenantal relationship is a free gift from God. We don't deserve it, but it's given. It's a means of grace. And if we accept that relationship that's offered to us and then seek to deepen it and live within it through thick and thin, come what may, then we discover what life is really all about. Now, Innes is not the only person who loves that passage from 1 Peter 5. It's a, a great favourite of mine as well. And I find the words of Peter always to be so significant because he was the leader of the disciples who when he had messed up was reinstated and then he surrenders himself to God's purposes. He became what Jesus foresaw, the rock on whom Christ would build his church. And Peter had to let go of his ideas, his passions, his plans, and to let God direct his life and empower his life as well. And we believe that that actually ended, in earthly terms, in martyrdom, although we trust that he was raised with Christ eternally. Peter offered everything. His desire was to be the desire of Christ. And the theme of humility and submission to God's will is there in that passage. If you read it through uh, when you can, both for church leaders, young people, and everyone else, submission to God's will is important, and it weaves through Peter's narrative. And in verse 6, he exhorts those who are reading his words, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Now, there may be some of you here this morning who are feeling that actually you're just exhausted or you are feeling low. And we're not exempt from that. But in due time, the God who cares for you will lift you up. And Peter's readers were not to be proud and self-reliant, but to trust in that Lord who cares for them and to resist all the powers of darkness that we can get sucked into so easily. And the same is true for us. We can only say, I am no longer my own but yours, if we totally submit to God. So, if I go back to where I started, we may have all these plans for a new year, but we mustn't be deluded that we can map out our lives or the life of the church. We can make a good stab at the things that we really believe God is calling to us to, 
But we can't say, well, we're going to do exactly that, we're going to do exactly that. What we need to do is to be drawing so close to the Lord that we hear his heartbeat. I return to David Brooks's words. Human beings are defined by what we desire and not by what we know. In the presence of the Lord, may you and I seek this year to be more open to the Lord. For it's only when the Spirit of Jesus really enters our hearts and that we put aside other things that we'll be able to navigate the challenges that come our way. And I think we are going to face some challenges. You might think the worst has been, but I think there are still challenges on the way. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will write the divine will on our minds, write it on our hearts, that the Lord may be our God and we may be his obedient disciples, not for our sake alone, but for the kingdom's sake. We can't plan against all the difficulties in this fallen world. In fact, my colleague, Alison Bryan, has been praying a lot recently and has discerned that God is warning us that many storms will still come our way, uprooting what we thought was solid and secure. We've seen that in the life of this church, when suddenly the conference center that runs here, that actually provides for us, is suddenly hit with a challenge we never expected. And yet, as we've turned to the Lord and sought Him, people have been generous, and somehow we, in a wonderful way, have navigated our way through in a way that we didn't expect. And we shouldn't be surprised, because if we walk the way of our loving servant king, if we roll up our sleeves and put love into action, hardship, suffering, and opposition may come our way, and may be inevitable, just as Jesus suffered, but we will be walking in the will of God. Our Lord's heart was broken at times, but he remained resilient and faithful. So this year, let's remember the hope in our motto there on the screen. I hope you'll put it on the fridge or wherever you're going to put it. Uh, many are the plans in the human heart, but it's the purposes of the Lord that will prevail. You see, God's love wins. His grace breaks through. And despite the storms, there's the richness of divine mercy that is ours if we are close to him. And even in the pattern of Jesus' life, First there was the cross, but then there was the crown. And so I'm going to close with the words of Peter in 1 Peter 5 verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And so we prepare to make our covenant. 
God made a covenant with the people of Israel, calling them to be a holy nation, chosen to bear witness to his steadfast love by finding delight in the law. Covenant was renewed in Jesus Christ our Lord in his life, work, death, and resurrection. In him, all people may be set free from sin and its power and united in love and obedience. In this covenant, God promises us new life in Christ. For our part, we promise to live no longer for ourselves, but for God. We meet, therefore, as generations have met before us, to renew the covenant which bound them and binds us in God. Let us then seek forgiveness for the sin which have denied God's claim upon us. Let us pray. God of mercy, hear us as we confess our sins. For the sin that has made us slow to learn from Christ, reluctant to follow him and afraid to bear the cross. Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive. For the sin that has caused the poverty of our worship and the formality and selfishness of our prayers, our neglect of fellowship and the means of grace, and our hesitating witness for Christ. Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive. For the sin that has led us to misuse your gifts, evade our responsibilities and fail to be good stewards of your creation. Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive. For the sin that has made us unwilling to overcome evil with good, tolerant of injustice, quick to condemn, and selfish in sharing your love with others. Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive. 